0: The most
1: legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Wick nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Go!
0: And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No. No. No credit checks to apply. Get started at chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA, members FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply.
1: Welcome to the The Fantasy Fantasy Throwdown Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello folks and welcome to a special Thanksgiving turkey edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Hoping you and your families enjoy some good turkey and football because we've got three games on tap. So we'll get right down to it. The Bills at the Lions, although let's be real here, the Bills technically have already been playing in Detroit since uh, their original game uh, against the Browns got moved uh, due to the blizzard in Buffalo to Detroit, so they played Sunday. In Detroit, while the Lions were playing the Giants, I, I, I know it, 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 some people were getting confused uh, if if they weren't following sports on Sunday, and then Red Zone was actually showing a double box between the Bills playing in Detroit and Detroit playing the Giants uh, in New York. And so yeah, it, it, it was it was a nice visual just seeing how random it was, but I think this plays a big role in the game. Because, realistically, you would be traveling on a short week to Detroit. That usually gives the Lions a, a little bit of an advantage because you, you got to travel on the short week. The, the team doesn't have that uh, time to prepare. Because Buffalo's been in Detroit, yeah, it's a short week. But Detroit's the team that lost the, uh, lost the time due to travel. Uh, and Buffalo's been here. It, it, it's... It's it's actually it's actually kind of a weird uh, scenario where the home team, technically on a short week for Thanksgiving, doesn't actually get the usual uh, uh, advantages that you you would have uh, assumed in the first place. Uh, so to to me, the the, the weird part about uh, what we've uh, got here is the is the simple fact that if you're if you're looking at the Bills. It's not your typical road game on Thanksgiving when you're playing the Lions. The Lions are actually a pretty solid team. Now, this line, though, I'm not going to agree with. Uh, the line is at uh, 9.5 currently. It opened at 10. Um, the, the, the original line opened at, uh, at 10. Uh, it's, it's come down a little bit, but not significantly. It's 9.5 for the Bills to, uh, to cover this. I think it's a bit too high of a line. Um, just knowing how Dan Campbell and that group plays, they they do grind games. So uh, this is more of a backdoor cover type of game. I expect the Bills to take out the lines though. Don't get me wrong, but the uh, the issue is the fact that uh, the line is still a bit too wide. That that's the that's the long and short of it. Now and. You just gotta checking across the books like it's not really moving either it's like it came down slightly uh from the, uh, that that ten and a half uh original but realistically it's not it's not really moving that uh, much further uh, I, I think uh it's uh it's kind it's it's likely to just hold up here because uh I mean, with the holiday, yeah, folks are going to be betting, but it's not necessarily uh, you're going to see the tremendous action moving certain lines. Sometimes you, you do get it for the Cowboys games. I, I, I will say that. Sometimes we're, with Cowboys games, uh, you, you might get some later news uh, that pops up uh, that might drive action, but uh, I don't really see this line moving that much. I do think this is a backdoor cover situation. For the Lions, they're going to be behind most of the game, in my opinion. I think Buffalo, the way you approach this game, and this is uh, this is kind of uh, more of a reflection of just uh, kind of looking at how so, uh, these games have been playing out, Josh Allen still is not being accurate throwing... Uh, the ball on some of his deeper routes. I, I I'm not as convinced on Josh Allen and uh, Stefan Diggs uh, from a passing connection standpoint. Now, if you look at uh, Josh Allen's rushing props uh, in different, uh, depending on your books, you can get it anywhere from forty one and a half to forty five and a half. I definitely think with the Lions' defense. And you saw this against uh, the Giants and Daniel Jones. Like, the, there are running lanes available on this Lions team. You can run on the Lions. Uh, Saquon, while he didn't have... Uh, he got uh, kind of taken out of the game. Daniel Jones still, even with... Uh, it, and I hate the vanillavic uh, nickname, to be perfectly honest. But if if you look at... Uh, uh, how that game uh, played out, the Lions' defensive line still held up pretty well against the Giants' O line. And even with that, you still had Daniel Jones. And mind you, no one actually looks at Daniel Jones as a decent athlete. He's a decent athlete, but it doesn't look that way. Daniel Jones had 50 yards rushing, he outrushed Saquon. I, I like, I know people weren't paying attention to that game, but Daniel Jones had. 50 yards rushing and a touchdown at a uh, a long of uh, 15 yards. Like, there are running lanes. Josh Allen is faster than Daniel Jones. There are going to be running lanes available. That's why, in terms of a prop, I love the Josh Allen rushing prop because I know the Lions are going to invariably give up those rushing lanes to Josh Allen, and he's going to be able to run down the field. I'm not necessarily going to be pounding the bills running backs in uh, dfs uh but since it's a three game slate and I'm playing multiple lineups I'll have exposure to devin singletary but I probably will end up with more exposure to james cook because if this game turns into a larger lead for the bills and they're up 2-3 scores they're going to let james cook get more run with the ball because he's more of their pounded back uh in terms of uh, plays than uh, Devin Singletary. So, to me, that's where I look at it and I'm saying, I I look at Josh Allen's rushing props. It's too low. It's, uh, I would definitely be betting on that side. And because I'm still looking to see if I can get some lines on, and, uh, you know, even now, I'm still not necessarily seeing... uh, the props. I'll probably play around with uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, but I'd v- most definitely, if you get rushing uh, prop lines of less than 26 yards for James Cook, and yes, he's a backup running back for the Bills, but they do give him run throughout the game, even when it's not a blowout. If you get him around 26, 27 yards r- in terms of a rushing prop, I'd hit, I'd hit the line because to me, I think Cook is somewhere in the 30 range in terms of yardage gained uh, uh, for this matchup. I, I think the Bills are going to win, and when the Bills are up, they want to run the ball. That's why I look at the rushing yards as the way to kind of attack this game. Yes, Josh Allen's going to throw the ball. The, don't get me wrong. But to me, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the passing props being in the 280 range, yeah, he could hit that. The, don't get me wrong. But I, I'd look at this as more of a, you know, the rece- I'd look at it more as total receptions uh, for uh, Gabe, uh, uh, for Stefan Diggs, and I'd look at Gabe Davis for the receiving yards. So, so let me back this one up. Gabe Davis is the more big play threat for uh, the Bills than Stephon Diggs. As good as Stephon Diggs is, most of the time teams have that uh, extra safety over the top because they know better by now not to have that help over the top. So I don't necessarily like Stephon Diggs from a prop standpoint because uh, they've got him at night, night uh, so they actually have him as the uh, highest uh highest yardage uh receiving prop on the board because uh if you you look at it he even has higher props than Justin Jefferson Justin Jefferson's at 86 and a half and I think if the Vikings didn't stink as much as they did against the Cowboys uh the props on Justin Jefferson would be higher but be that as it may you've got and all these games are in domes so to, again all all these things to kind of bear in mind You've got a receiving props for Stefan Diggs in the low 90s. I've seen that as high as 95. I've seen him go as low as 92 and a half. That's a good chunk of change to kind of get through. That if the Bills are able to run the ball on the Lions, which they should because the Lions are still one of the worst uh, rush defenses in the league. And Josh Allen scrambling. It doesn't leave that much room for Stefan Diggs to get a ton of receiving yards. Uh, like, that's where I look at it. It's like, the Bills have enough ways of punishing the Lions defense that, yeah, Stefan Diggs can catch a touchdown. He can get a couple of receptions. Like, his uh, re- uh, reception prop uh, for Stefan Diggs, it- it's 6.5 uh, at-, at most places. You might you might see some 7.5, but uh, I-, I would stick with FanDuel being at 6.5 To me, I still think Stephon Diggs gets seven or eight catches. I'm just not sold on his catches leading him to getting 100-plus yards today. Because I I do think that between all the mouths that Josh Allen has available that are going to be in good matchups, Dawson Knox is going to be in play for uh, red zone receptions. You've got Gabe Diggs in the slot. I still think that... From a, a receiving standpoint, Gabe Davis is one of the most dangerous receivers in the league. And folks don't have the personnel to match up. They they are so concentrating on digs that Gabe Davis carves them up. Uh, and the speed alone, it's just most guys it, uh, cannot deal with him in uh, uh, where he lines up. So to me, Gabe Davis would be the guy I'd be looking at more from... A receiving yards prop because he's in the uh, high 50s uh you might see 60 and a half but realistically i think it's easier for Gabe davis to hit it on far fewer receptions because he is their big play guy you'll see him get uh, tw- uh 18 18 to 25 yards uh on most plays like he has one of the highest uh, uh reception uh yards per reception uh averages in the entire league to me, that's the play where Gabe Davis can house one and basically covers the entire prop in two catches. So i look at that, but I do think Stefan Diggs is uh, is going to get a ton of receptions because uh, Jeffrey Okuda is out for the Lions uh, or d- very doubtful to play. I-, I think they did officially rule him out, but it's like they-, they really don't have the matchup corner that they normally would have. So there's uh, there's going to be opportunities to force the ball into Diggs. I just don't think that uh, with the amount of play that they're going to be able to do, that Diggs necessarily gets there from a yardage standpoint. I, I think it's more of a, you know, they piece him up uh, throughout the field, but I don't think they allow Diggs to get the free reign to have the monster catch and run for a touchdown That he can do. Uh, But, uh, you know, you never know. A team could always blow the coverage. But I I just don't see uh, from a a breakdown standpoint where uh, Diggs has the monster game. I think the the monster game uh, is still more likely with uh, Justin Jefferson today. Even though it's Kirk Cousins in primetime. We know. We know. We know it's Kirk. But... Um, I still think Diggs has a much safer floor, way safer floor, but the ceiling is what I kind of question because I think there are just enough ways for the Bills to break down the lines that it's just, it's already baked into the numbers that Diggs already has on the board, uh, with some of these props. So, uh, long story short, uh, I think it's a very nice offensive day for the Bills. It's just a decent floor, um, from pretty much everyone. I don't necessarily see monster ceiling games unless someone just gets incredibly hot. And the most guy, the guy who most likely would be benef- uh, the beneficiary of that is uh, Gabe Davis. Just because, from a personnel standpoint, I don't know how Detroit matches up with uh, uh, Gabe today. And he's 5,300 on DraftKings, so he's going to be the most popular play. And yeah, basically, I don't see how you can. It's going to be tough. It like from a game theory standpoint, g- like fading Gabe Davis seems like the dumbest idea imaginable. But you can you can do it from a game theory standpoint and hope that he doesn't go off. But man, that is that's like the hard that's going to be one of the hard, uh, hardest things to do is like uh, building lineups that don't have Gabe Davis in my opinion because it's it just seems like such a dumb idea uh, to like start your team off with that. I, I would have a very difficult time if you're only playing one lineup. Not playing Gabe Davis seems like the dumbest thing you could do. I'm, I'm just going to say that uh, from a fancy perspective uh, with DFS, it, it, it just it, it I, I I just think you're building your lineups wrong if you don't have Gabe Davis at 5300. He's going to be chalk, but not everyone's going to be playing him. But the 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 floor is there and. There are ways of burning this secondary um, because I think the concentration has to go to Digs and because they're short-handed, there's there's not enough folks there. Now on the flip side, here's where you can kind of get a little bit different. The issue is the Lions have to stay in this game somehow, and I still think that there's opportunities to do so against this uh, Bills defense. Now. Jared Goff has been better. He's been better. the uh, The question is with Jared Goff, he's going to have more receiving options uh, available today because DJ Shark, even though he didn't have a, a catch uh, on Sunday, uh, he's he's being upgraded further to have more uh, snap counts available because I think he only played in about fifteen percent of the total snaps against the Giants. On Sunday, he's going to get upped up, uh, which would help, and they'll have uh, they'll have Josh Reynolds available as well, so they'll have more bodies they can actually throw at the Bill secondary when they go three uh, three wide. So it's not just Amon Ra getting triple teamed in a sense because it was just him and Khalif Raymond and Khalif Raymond Holy Cross uh, alum speed burner still got uh, wheels for days, but. If you jam him at the line and don't let him get a clean release, he's not hes not necessarily going to beat you uh, on a pass route. He's, he's going to hurt you on the go route where you don't get uh, get hands on him. So from my perspective, having more balance with the receivers in, in place, uh, that's where uh, DJ Shark and Josh Reynolds kind of comes in. Because at least you'll have more guys who can run more varied routes that can at least relieve some of the pressure off of Amon-Ra and Golf because Golf has just been trying to f- feed the ball to Amon-Ra but with the lack of uh, options it's been harder for Amon-Ra to get going. So to me uh, with uh, St. Brown it's a 75 and a half uh, receiving prop and to me that is that's a bit it's a, it's a bit tough because uh, you, essentially, in order for Aminorah to get there, you need this to be closer to a blowout script, because I, to me, the way the uh, Lions stay close to this game is if they're able to run the ball effectively with, between Jamal Williams and uh, uh, DeAndre Swift. Uh, DeAndre Swift essentially has been replaced in this offense as the running back one by Jamal Williams. Uh, his rushing prop is at 53.5, which is more than fair, because Jamal Williams only ran the ball for 63 yards against the Giants. Everyone keeps talking about the three touchdowns, but the Giants effectively held down uh, Jamal Williams uh, to uh, less than four yards a carry. The The guys who actually got run were Jamal Williams, and then later on in the game it was Justin, J- uh, uh, Justin Jackson because it was such a blowout. The Lions do not want to use... Uh, DeAndre Swift running the ball. For whatever reason, the Lions are more hesitant to use DeAndre Swift because they, I don't think they believe he can take the pounding running the ball in between the tackles. So, to me, I think it's it's just a clear uh, delineation that Jamal's going to be the three-down back. DeAndre Swift is going to be the third-down back catching passes. So, to me... This is an easy rushing prop where if you think the Lions keep this close, Jamal Williams with a 53.5 rushing prop, or you might see 55 uh, on FanDuel, like 53.5 on DraftKings is the way where I would bet it. But if you think the Lions keep this game close, you have to play that prop. like Because that's the, that's the way to keep this game close. If they're able to effectively run the ball in between the tackles against the Bills. So if you believe this game stays close, you play that prop. If you don't believe this game stays close, and I'm not necessarily in that camp, I, I think they they get out ahead of uh, the Lions and they kind of take the run game out of it. I think it's more of a... Uh, you can look at DeAndre Swift uh, catching passes at the backfield because they're going to be in throw mode uh, uh, throughout uh, the back, uh, back half of this game. So to me, that's where... I'd be looking at uh, DeAndre Swift uh, catching passes, and his uh, his uh, receiving air prop is only at sixteen and a half. I think that's one you can you can go towards, even if it's is even if it's a close game. I still think they're going to use DeAndre Swift in the passing game, so I actually like the DeAndre Swift call, not necessarily from a DFS perspective, because uh, from a DFS perspective, DeAndre Swift is pretty pricey in terms of of the actual play itself. Uh, It's more of a try to get different. I just think that because of how popular Jamal Williams has gotten from Hard Knocks and his play this year where he's leading the NFL in touchdowns, people are going to play Jamal Williams in uh, DFS today. And unless you believe this game stays close, and by close, I mean literally it's a touchdown difference uh, throughout the fourth quarter, to me, I, I just don't think this is the play. The the Bills are a much better run defense than the Giants are, and the Giants were able to, uh, uh, for all intents and purposes, they did shut down Jamal Williams. I'm like, I, I want people to understand this. He had three touchdowns, but they were all like they were within the red zone multiple times because of uh, a couple of miscues by the Giants. So to me, the Giants' defense, yes, they gave up the touchdowns. We get it. It, It's tough to stop them in those goal line situations. But if you're looking at the actual game itself, the Giants' defensive uh, line held up pretty well shutting down that run game, and the Bills are still a better run defense than people give them credit for. The reason why the Bills give up yards rushing usually ends up being the case, uh, case of, as the game goes on, uh, teams just end up like getting tired of trying to chuck the ball against the bills and just opt for the run game because that's the only way they, they can kind of keep in it like usually it depends on the bills uh, how they are turning the ball over that's when they get uh, that's when it's more effective to run the ball against the bills is if the offense uh, has a quick turnover and the defense comes back a little bit tired that's when the bills defense gets in trouble is when they don't get off the field. So if you think the game stays close because the Lions are able to make a few plays defensively on Josh Allen and company, yeah, by all means, go for it. But uh, I wouldn't necessarily be in that camp.
0: If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
1: All right. I know I spent a lot of time talking about the Bills-Lions game. The reason why is there's not a lot to say about this Giants-Cowboys game. I'm sorry, Giants fans. You know I'm a Giants fan. You know I'm a Giants fan. But here's the problem with the Giants uh, coming into this game. Evan Neal, (laughs) John Feliciano are out. They're out. So you're missing your uh, center and your starting right tackle. And, oh, by the way, did did I not mention the fact that Shane Lemieux, our starting left guard, is also out. So, uh, by that count, that would be three starting offensive linemen out for the Giants this week. Oh, and by the way, Andrew Thomas, our starting left tackle, is dealing with the flu. So, yeah, it's not a good situation because even with that clip of Michael Parsons looking a little ginger. Uh, looking a little gingerly in that Vikings game, uh, yeah, they think he's fine. So realistically, the uh, the issues that uh, the issues that are going on for the Giants offensive line uh, are pretty drastic. You got a Cowboys defense that is licking their chops because they destroyed the Vikings. The best thing you can hope for, realistically realistically is that the Cowboys just come in way too overconfident in this game and the Giants just give it a, give it a hard effort. That's literally the only thing you're hoping on. If this is strictly just, Hey, we're playing on the field. Giants going to get rolled and they're going to get rolled hard. Even if they're competing because effectively they don't have the horses to match up right now. Given the injuries, you you can't lose that many starters ahead of one game. It's a short week. Guys already banged up because of like how physical Detroit was with them. It's it's a bad bad matchup for the Giants. Like they 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 uh, Detroit uh, banged around. They played hard against Detroit. It, it like there were just a lot of miscues that happened for the Giants in that game. Try to turn it around. How are the Giants supposed to win this game? They're supposed to win this game running the ball, not making turnovers. The Cowboys do gamble quite a bit in terms of forcing turnovers. But, l- let's be honest here. What are the Giants uh, passing props looking like? Darius Slayton is the highest rated receiving yards prop for the Giants. And he's at 48 and a half. Saquon's at 22 and a half. The offense is run through Saquon and his receiving yard prop is 22 and a half. His rushing yard prop, Saquon, is at 72 and a half. If Saquon, whom the Giants offense is entirely structured around, is only slated to have hundred less than 100 yards combined between rushing and receiving, Vegas is already telling you they are going to get... Bu- like, they're going to get ragdolled. Like, that's what Vegas is trying to tell you. Th- this line is at 9.5. But there is nothing here from the Giants' own rece- receiving props and rushing props that indicate at all that the Giants' offense is going to be able to do anything today. There's nothing here. Like, every- like it- we got two games... And again, I'm, I'm being clear. We got two games here where uh, the, line, uh, the line was at 10.5. It went to 9.5 in the Buffalo game. Dallas opened up at 9.5 and, and has gone up to 10. There's nothing on the Giants' side to actually indicate that the Giants' offense is actually going to be able to move the ball at all today. It's going to be an uphill struggle. So even with the potential of, all right, Daniel Jones, rushing yards, 38-and-a-half, uh, certainly could happen. I mean, you're I, I, I'm just going to say this here. I'm a Giants fan. My family is Giants Like, we are going to watch this game, but there, there's a real chance that this is the, the game that goes on mute for an extended period of time while we just eat <laughs> because – I don't see a whole lot going on in this game worthwhile to be commenting on. The problem I see uh, here is that if you're trying to find... Because I'm not betting on Dallas. <laughs> I'll like I'm just, I'm just tell you guys right now. It's the smart bet, but I can't bet it. So you guys can take advantage of what I cannot do. In the interim, if you want to bet on something... I would say you can bet on the Matt a rushing yard prop because I think this game ends up pretty much being uh, taking a uh, done-and-dusted for Dallas uh, where they eventually start pulling away. In terms of rushing yard props, Matt Breda's at 10.5. If this game turns into the blowout, I expect it to be. He's going to get the garbage time work because why are you risking Saquon in a game you're trailing by three three scores, it doesn't make any sense uh, throughout the game. If if this game gets away from the Giants, I fully expect Matt Breida to get some uh, work. Not that he's actually going to be good or anything, because he's not, he's not. He's it's Matt Breida. But this rushing yard prop way too low. The, 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 this this prop is uh, uh, basically assuming that Matt Breida's not getting in the game until the last five minutes of the game. And I think you could see Matt Breida running the entire fourth quarter because it's a blowout and the Giants don't want to risk uh, getting anyone hurt because the Giants, for all intents and purposes, are 7-3. and three. Yes, they are playing for the, uh, the uh, chance to win the NFC East. And I know Giants fans are talking about making playoffs. This is not the year to be talking about playoffs with the Giants. They are just trying to be respectable. This is not a good matchup for the Giants with the injuries that they have. It's very unlikely that the Giants stay competitive in this matchup. There are too many things going against them. They're in. Uh, they're in Dallas. The Dallas defense is even faster on the road. I mean, uh, at home than they are on the road, and Dallas's defense gave the Giants fits in in the first matchup in the Meadowlands. Now they're home. They're going to be even harder to deal with. That pass rush is even harder to block. Even with the struggles Evan Neal had against Micah Parsons, you'd still rather have Evan Neal than uh, what we're going to be rolling out today. Like, this is going to be a tough day in the office for Daniel Jones. So what you're really hoping for, at, at least I am as a Giants fan, that nobody else gets hurt in, in this game. Just get out of here. Just man, man, manage the game. Let's not go crazy here. Because there are too many ways that this can go sideways. And it's not worth it for the Giants. Like to, This is not the game that's going to make or break the season. Even if you are looking, uh, looking for a playoff run. Which I'm not. But uh, this is not the game to go crazy over. Because to me it's a bad it's a bad scenario where a it's a bad matchup and you don't have you don't have the pieces in place uh, to realistically mount a challenger again I, I just told you the props that I'd be looking at there, there's no one going on with the Giants like you need a Dallas slipping on the banana peel kind of game where someone blows a, a coverage and Darius Slayton is wide open Jones hits him in stride the Giants get a touchdown. And then they just try to play ball control and we try to win a game 17-14. Uh, uh, and, 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 and try to win a game that way. Because that's what it's going to take for the Giants to win. And you heard what the score I gave you. The actual, uh, the actual over-under on this game is 45-and-a-half. They expect Dallas to put up points. It, it, I'm just being clear. It, it's... In the Buffalo game, the over/unders under is 54 and a half. We got—we literally have a nine-point differential for the same spread. They expect the Giants to get hammered because we can't score, and realistically, this is not the matchup for the Giants to uh, do well in offensively. And I—and I think between the amount of work the defense had to put in to uh, kind of slow down uh, Detroit just hammering them and eventually they started giving up the yards in the fourth quarter they got tired it's gonna be more to say with Dallas you know it to me from a DFS standpoint it's not the craziest thing in the world to play both Zeke and, and Tony Pollard because you know why I know uh, Zeke ain't gonna run for a ton of yards because Zeke's rushing prop is at 44 and a half I think the Cowboys ease him back into the game but there is a scenario where Similar to what we saw with Jamal Williams, Zeke could run for like 52 yards and have two, two or three touchdowns. Like one catching, what, uh, one catching and what, uh, two rushing. Like Zeke could get three touchdowns today, and it wouldn't shock me in the slightest because Zeke is Jerry Jones's favorite player. He might be his favorite Cowboy player ever, which is crazy considering Jerry had Emmitt Smith and and uh, Michael Irving. Uh, like. And Zeke might be his favorite Cowboy ever. The, the Cowboys love getting Zeke the ball. And Zeke loves scoring on Thanksgiving. This, this, like I said, this is a miserable time for the Giants. And there's a weird stat for the Giants that the Giants on Thanksgiving, and the Giants have played a couple of Thanksgiving games throughout the years. So like, it's not like we play every year on Thanksgiving. But we, we've played at least a couple of times. We haven't had an offensive touchdown on Thanksgiving since I think this, like, someone threw up the stat. I was like, it was almost pre world, uh, like, uh, I think it was like the Polo Grounds years so, with the last time the Giants had an offensive touchdown. It's been over 60 years since the Giants had an offensive touchdown on Thanksgiving. And we've played, like, games. It's like, we've just gotten hammered. In some of these games against Dallas, and I just don't see it changing today, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, in terms of Dallas, uh, I I think the run game is just—they just ram it down our throats. Uh, Tony Pollard's rushing prop is at sixty-one and a half. I think he he can definitely hit that uh, today. Zeke, I get why his rushing yard prop is at forty-four and a half because I think they ease him back into the offense. Plus, Tony Pollard is clearly the better running back. I've been telling people this for three plus years now. Now people are like, oh, yeah, the Cowboys should be running Tony Pollard more. No shit. Like, come on. Like, now, now y'all realizing this? Like, come on. It's ridiculous. But, uh, you know, I know people are going to talk about what about Dak Prescott? Dak is going to be popular from a DFS standpoint because uh, Dak is 6,600, uh, Josh Allen's 8K. You could save money going to Dak, and, you know, the people are looking at it as a salary play. The issue I see with Dak is the fact that, realistically, uh, Dak has not been nearly as accurate as people would suspect. And his passing props are all over the place. Uh, Fan duels got him at like 247. Uh, I saw Caesars at like 256. Uh, you had Bet Rivers at like, uh, 249, like, it's all over the place with Dak, because no one really knows what to make of the Cowboys passing attack, because Dak hasn't, like, he's come back, but he hasn't come back the same since, uh, the injury, and, yeah, he's still a better passer than Cooper Rush, and a better runner, and a better quarterback. So let's get that out of the way first, like, because Skip Bales keeps going on this idiotic tangent about Cooper Rush that... I will never understand. But, with all that going on, Dak hasn't been playing great. I I don't necessarily see uh, the Cowboys uh, kind of forcing the issue with Dak throwing the ball because I think uh, they'll have enough success on the ground. They ran for over 150 yards in the first matchup. I think you're going to get more of that today. Uh, Dak will be solid, but... Not necessarily spectacular. So to me, I, I just look at it from the standpoint of uh, if if you if you're going uh, if you're going at Dak just for the cost savings, you have to acknowledge the fact that there's a real chance Dak uh, d- like kind of puts up similar numbers to what Cooper Rush did, and Cooper Rush did not play well uh, in that Monday Night game. Like he like Cooper Rush was like. Uh, Two, like, uh, threw for, like, 215 yards, like, it was, like, it was, like, it was, like, literally one of those random numbers, where it was like, I think it was, like, 250, it was either, like, 215 or, like, 220, but it was, like, he, he, he was, like, thoroughly unimpressive, but Tony Pollard ran for over 100 yards, and it, that that's where it came down to, like, Tony Pollard, like, was, like, over 100 yards, Zeke, uh... Had a solid day, but, like, Tony Pollard was clearly the better running back. Surprise, surprise. And they just ran it down the Giants' throats. Like, there's no reason why the Cowboys don't run it right down the Giants' throats again. It's like, to, like, I I don't get the Dak thing. It's like, yes, well, I have at least one hedge lineup with Dak Prescott in case uh, they decide to uh, have him and C.D., uh, like work on some stuff and uh and and a couple of plays that they wanted to run through yeah because I think this is one of those games where I think they feel very confident in the matchup that they can do a couple of interesting things and and work work some stuff out but uh you know they don't have to worry about c- certain f- uh plays falling flat because they'll have other shots to, to go after the Giants so yeah there's a chance that Dak goes off today I just don't see it And then finally, the nightcap. We got New England traveling to Minnesota. The Vikings are two and a half point favorites. They're still favored. Even though we all know it's Kirk Cousins in primetime. For those who don't know, Kirk Cousins is the worst performing primetime QB in NFL history. He only has... Wait, he might have two. But he has more uh, double-digit losses over the uh, past six years, in primetime, more than any other QB. Like, if you want someone to lose in primetime, you call Kirk Cousins. And, uh, uh, I mean, I I don't even know what else to say about it. And I'm not even going to sully my beloved, you like that sound clip from Kirk, because we love 1PM Kirk. 1PM Kirk works in a lot of situations for DFS and fantasy even though he's Kirk and he, he makes a lot of bad decisions, 1 p.m. Kirk usually works out more often than not, especially on the betting uh, trends. But this is Bill Belichick and it's Kirk Cousins in primetime. This has a lot. So there are a couple of ways of approaching this. Can the Vikings win this game? Yes. Yes. Is Kirk Cousins the reason why they're going to win this game? Hell no. If anything, I think uh, Bill Belichick focuses in more on trying to shut down Dalvin Cook than he is on trying to stop Justin Jefferson. I think the Patriots would rather have Kirk throw the ball and try to beat them rather than letting Dalvin Cook get established and cause some problems for the Patriots who are gonna just try to run the ball down uh, Minnesota's throat? They're gonna they're gonna use uh, Damian Harris uh, now that he's healthy, and now we're back into a full on tandem between Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. It looked for a while as though um, Ramondre was gonna be taken over, uh, was gonna be taken over the uh, uh, the full-time responsibilities for the team. And it was just going to be Ramondre uh, uh, being the running back one and Damian Harris kind of taking a step back in the offense. Now you've got Damian Harris uh, back in the in the fold again. Uh, Ramondre's uh, rushing yard prop is at 58 and a half. I still think that's a bit low because I don't think Bill trusts Mac Jones at all. I think Bill... If he sees even one brain dead interception for Mac Jones, he's going to pull the court on him, and Billy Zappi is going to be uh, under center. So, from a fancy perspective and DFS perspective, I think Mac Jones is the worst play on the slate. As much as I say the Giants, uh, I expect the Giants to get rolled, I at least know Daniel Jones, unless he gets injured, is going to play all four quarters. If Mac Jones F's up, Bailey Zappi could easily be in this game, and it's not going to shock me in the slightest. That's why I think Mac Jones is the worst play on the board uh, tonight. Uh, like uh, With all these games, uh, I, I think Mac Jones, far and away, is the worst play. So from my perspective, this kind of comes down to, can the Pats run the ball at will on, uh, on the Vikings? And from my perspective... Yeah, it it should actually be uh, a favorable matchup. I know they struggled against the Jets. Jets have an excellent defense. The Jets should be a playoff team. The Jets are are hamstrung by an immature QB who won't run the offense. And Zach Wilson was justifiably benched because of what he did on Sunday, which was inexcusable. If you look at the tape, uh, and I know I'm getting off track here. If anyone wants to look at the tape of the, uh, and rewatch that game, the amount of open throws Zach Wilson did not see a receiver on is astonishing. Like the Pats should have lost that game eight eight different times, the be- just by Zach Wilson reading a play properly. Like the Pats offense was shut down effectively by the Jets because the Pats. Uh, While they could run the ball, they still couldn't dictate in in the uh, final third what they want to do against the Jets. I think they'll have an easier time against the Vikings. It's a better overall matchup for their offensive line. That being said, because of the fact that I think the Pats are still going to struggle putting away this game, I still think you have opportunities for Justin Jefferson to have a decent fantasy game. And I and I say this because I think the Pats are more worried about Dalvin Cook going off than they are about Justin Jefferson, which sounds crazy. Because Justin Jefferson's a, a top three wide receiver in the league. I know they don't want Justin Jefferson going off, but I think the Pats are more willing to gamble that Kirk Cousins is going to screw up and throw a couple of bad picks. Uh, than uh, Justin Jefferson going off for 150 yards and two scores. I think they're more willing to take the chance that Kirk is still going to screw up more often than not than have Dalvin Cook run the ball for 130 yards and a score or two. Because if Dalvin Cook gets off to that degree and they're able to ball control and still be... Because Justin Jefferson's still going to get his catches. Like they're 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 not, they're not going to be able to just stop Justin Jefferson entirely from getting receptions because of uh, of their defense. If they stop Justin Jefferson from getting uh, because his receiving prop is at six and a half, which sounds pretty uh, pretty on point, it's like he, he's either going to be around uh, uh, six to eight catches. So I I, I definitely get like if he, if the Vikes are able to establish a run, he's definitely getting eight catches. But I do think that in order for the Pats to actually uh, have an effective game, they're going to need to stop Dalvin Cook from running the ball. Because if Dalvin Cook can run the ball, that means they can play action and actually get Justin Jefferson involved in the offense. That's how the Pats get hurt. So to me, I think the Pats force the issue with shutting down Dalvin Cook. Because if you shut down Dalvin Cook... Yeah, Kirk is still going to force the ball to Justin Jefferson, but it's way easier to defend Justin Jefferson when it's not play action. That that that's where it comes. Uh, that's where it really comes down to. So as long as the Pats defense kind of holds uh, Dalvin Cook because his uh, rushing yard prop is at uh, seventy five, if they if they if they control him and he doesn't break a hundred, Pats are winning this game because. Kirk is going to make mistakes. The, 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 I have no doubt in my mind. But if Dalvin is able to effectively run the ball and they can allow that play action to give Kirk a little bit more time, Justin Jefferson is going to be open. So that's the danger of this game. I think New England uh, goes with the game plan that I'm going uh, with. Shut down Dalvin Cook. Take your chances that Justin Jefferson doesn't like crush you over the top. And Kirk can get the ball out to him in time. I think the Pats go with that game plan, and the Pats win the game. Uh, So I like the dog there. But uh, to me, that's the the interesting part from a game theory perspective. If you want to get a little bit different from a DFS standpoint, you should be looking to target this late game and leave some spots open for whether you think the game script goes to Dalvin Cook or you think it goes through Justin Jefferson. That's where you kind of get different uh, overall with your builds. Because folks are going to jam in uh, Stefan Diggs and they're going to jam in CeeDee Lamb. And what they'll do uh, to fit those guys in, they'll go double tight end and they'll mix Knox and Schultz uh, in in the flex spot. That I mean, that's how they're going to build out the rosters, And I got news for you folks. You are not different if you are playing double tight end with uh, uh, Dawson Knox and uh, and Dalton Schultz. You are not different. You and every Jamel out there that's going to be playing in these Millie Makers on DraftKings and FanDuel, you're not building your rosters differently. Oh, like basically everyone's going to be playing that on a on a standard level. And yes, I'm not saying you're not going to be able to make money. Because they could easily go off, and you could still uh, uh, win money, but you're you're not gonna you're not gonna ship a, you're not gonna uh, ship a contest with, with those types of builds because it's too, there's too many folks there's too many folks that can run those lineups with optimizers and 150 lineups. That's not gonna get you different enough. So I will say there's a very real possibility that. uh, Anyone that's able to have a significant haul winning on DraftKings and FanDuel today has exposure to this game. Whether whether you're going with the New England running back situation or you're going with uh, uh, Dalvin Cook or Justin Jefferson, having some exposure to this game on the back end, I I think can make the difference. All right, that's going to do it for me. I hope everyone... uh, gets a chance to enjoy some turkey today uh so uh, all, all the best wishes to you and your your family but uh i hope uh, you guys uh, have a wonderful thanksgiving and we will be back for the weekend slate ahead of the nfl action coming up this uh, weekend so uh, all the best folks have a wonderful holiday Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets.